Hi, everybody. I wanted to take just a few moments to talk to you about the situation we find ourselves in. The situation that is so different and on one hand catastrophic in this enormous way, but in this other way, it's also narrowed our lives so specifically. It's this worldwide pandemic that simultaneously has a household by household effect. This is the first time I've ever been told in my life, you need to stay inside because there's something out there. Not that's going to get you, but that you may give to someone else. That you may be a weapon and you don't even know it. And so in this situation, I know that I feel anxiety and uncertainty and a fair amount of fear. But I also feel this other thing, this this creeping suspicion, this thing that I feel that I, I wonder if you might feel it too. And it really became pertinent to me when my daughter, who's 11, was talking to me the other day. And after the joy and the adulation of finding out that she wasn't going to have to go to school again for the rest of the semester. And when you're 11 and you are told that your freedom is only a few days away. That can be a heady feeling. She was drunk on the possibilities. But then towards the end of the evening, as she sat on the couch, I looked over and noticed that she had started to cry. And she told me that she just wanted things to go back to normal. She just wanted things to be the way they were. She was starting to wrestle with the facts that she wasn't going to see her friends again that she wasn't going to go and sit in a classroom, finish her homework as fast as she could to pull out a book and start reading again, that she wasn't going to try and escape into a hallway so she could talk to someone that was in a different class about what had transpired in the 50 minutes in which they weren't together. She said, I just want things to go back to normal. I want them to be the way they were. And in that moment, I knew with absolute clarity that her hope was impossible. That there was no way that after this thing, this pandemic and the news reports and refreshing Twitter and the arguments, that there was no way that things were going to go back to normal. There's no way that life was going to go back to the way that it was. And I'm not even sure that it should. It was absolutely galvanized in that moment for me that nothing will be the same. I don't know if you saw, like I did, the people that were refusing to deal with that fact that nothing was going to be the same. The spring breakers who still went down to the beaches in Florida. And I talked to some friends and they were completely outraged by that. How could people be so stupid? How could they not stay home? And I thought to myself, I've been with my kids for 36 hours and I want to hammer throw each one of them out the window already. So I get it why people would risk the beach and the virus to get away from the house. And while I don't think that it was the most prudent thing to go down to be in a crowded beach or in a crowded store, in a crowded airport, I, I can't really say or judge anyone else's behavior in that way because I think people were just trying to hang on to some sort of community and normalcy. They just wanted to be around other people. They wanted life to be the way it was before people started canceling sporting events and then school and then the world outside of your walls. People just wanted things to be the same. But there are times in life where we're confronted with the fact that nothing is going to be the same.
that a thing, a way of life, a posture, it's died. And something new has to take its place. Now, the type of people who refuse to embrace that, the type of people who refuse to believe that something new can replace what's dead, well, they're the type of folks who run out and buy all the toilet paper in a store. They're the type of people who buy 17,000 individual hand sanitizers and then mark up the prices and try and resell it on Amazon. They're those type of folks. And it's not, I don't think it's because they're evil. I think it's because they're operating as if the old ways are still going to work. And the old ways say, make sure that you have enough for yourself and make sure you can get as much as you can out of other people. If you need to exploit folks, you have to do it because what happens if the unthinkable takes place and you don't have enough? The old way says when there is fear, You have to capitalize on it. The old way says you're already isolated. You're already alone. No one needed to tell you to quarantine for you to feel that way. See, there's some folks who encounter this thing that's happening to all of us. And they believe that the old ways are still going to work. That to be angry without fear to be angry for the sake of complaining is still going to work. That to be greedy is still going to work. That to hoard what they want, what they have is still going to work. But we know better, don't we? Because when you see those reports of the people with pallets of toilet paper, by the way, what are they going to do with all that? If you're not going to sell it, do you anticipate that you are going to need that much toilet paper? This is not the Oregon Trail. You're not going to get dysentery. This is a different thing. Anyway, the people that buy all that toilet paper, the people that buy all that hand sanitizer, when you see that, doesn't it make you angry? Doesn't it, doesn't it inspire in you some sort of disconnection, some incongruence in your brain where you go, well, that shouldn't happen. It's because you're moving forward. This thing has taken place and it's killed an old way. And we have to embrace new ways to be. If you refuse to believe that something new is going to come out of this, well, then it puts you in a place of psychosis. It puts you in a place of denial and some psychological and philosophical dissonance where you're going to hold on iron-fisted to the way things used to be and what used to work, where you self-isolated before anyone told you you had to. But that way has to die. In one of the biographies of Jesus, a book called Luke, and I know, I wish the biographies of Jesus were just called like Jesus, part one, part two, part three, part four. It gets confusing. But one of these biographies, Jesus is talking to people who are struggling with this very idea of what works, the old way of life, where you look out for yourself, where you try and prove that you're better than other people, where you try and not really self-isolate, but self-exalt so that you're higher and better and supreme in the new way in which Jesus would say, hey, a new thing is happening. Look around. I'm here to do a new thing. At any rate, he uses a metaphor and he tells these folks, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. You're just going to end up with muddy dirt. You're going to end up with your wine on the ground. 
You have to put new wine in new wineskins because when a new thing happens, when a new way of life takes place, the old ways don't work anymore. When a new thing happens and you lay on your couch and you're 11 years old and you go, I wish things would go back to normal, you know they won't because the old ways of buying up all the toilet paper and being scared of your neighbor and trying to prove that you're better and more moral and supreme, they just don't work anymore. In fact, they never have. But now we look around and we notice that it doesn't work. We're keenly aware of it. I joke that I'm already being driven crazy by my kids, and that's partially true. But I see the possibilities in this time with them. And I know some of you are scared and you're concerned about what you're going to do with your children. How are you going to assure that they're going to be educated? And I understand that anxiety and I understand that fear. But don't you look at your kids a little differently now? Don't you think a little bit differently about your neighbors now? Your family members? That annoying coworker? Don't you think a little differently about going outside, about going to the store? about what you might encounter if you could step off your porch. See, a thing has died, an old way, where we were anxious, not about a virus, but about each other. And a new way is bursting forth and being born. Really, that's the story of the Christian faith and of any dynamic faith is that an old way dies and a new way is resurrected. There's another story from another Jesus biography. This one would be part four, but we're going to call it John. It's this book called John and tells the story of Jesus. And in, in this story, there is a connection between Jesus and this family. It's a, a brother named Lazarus and then two sisters, Mary and Martha. And they're incredibly close to Jesus. Jesus, who, according to Christians, is God on earth in flesh in this powerful and mysterious way that no one can really accurately define how that happens, except to say that it's a matter of faith. And Jesus... He's aware that his best friend Lazarus is sick, sick to the point of death. But Jesus is some distance away and he hears the news about Lazarus. And then he finds out eventually that Lazarus has died and he breaks down crying. Which if we can just take a moment and think about how beautiful it is that God on earth in flesh cries for his best friend. At any rate, Jesus gets his followers, his students together, and they go to the funeral. They go to the memorial service, maybe to sit Shiva with the family of Lazarus. But it, Jesus approaches the house where this family that he loves lives. One of the sisters comes rushing out, and you can almost see the mascara running down her face. And she runs to Jesus, clenching her fist, beating him against the chest, and says, Why weren't you here? If you were here, things were going to be different. Do any of you feel that way? The people of faith, if you're listening to this, do you wonder what God is doing? Is God and all the saints, are they all asleep? So you know what it is to beat on God's chest and wonder why he didn't show up just a few days earlier. And Jesus holds Martha and says, your brother is going to rise again. 
There's this way that things used to happen. People died and they stayed dead. But there's a new thing that's happening now. And Martha says, now, I know I'm a good Jewish person. I have this faith that eventually everybody who's dead is going to be in some amazing way resurrected and brought to judgment. And Jesus says, no, I need you to know that I am the resurrection. I'm a new thing. I'm new wine. I'm going to step out your front door after you've been quarantined. I'm the new way that you look at your coworkers and your neighbors and your friends and your kids that are driving you nuts and your parents who keep calling you and your aunts and uncles that keep posting on Facebook about the fact that this virus isn't a big deal and it's someone who thinks this is a conspiracy. Jesus says, I'm the new way that you look at all of those people, the way that you relate to your life. I'm new wine. And Martha says, I believe it. And Jesus goes back to the graveyard and he tells Lazarus to come out. And the invitation is pretty incredible. You were dead, but you don't have to be dead anymore. And some of you, you're already embracing that. You are already participating in resurrection when you're getting groceries for the elderly in your neighborhood, when you're checking on your friends, when you're spending time with your kids, when you're turning off your phone, I mean, after this podcast is over, when you're turning off your phone just for a few moments to participate in the terrifying power of silence and concern for other people. You are already encountering a new way of life. And when this thing ends, and it is going to end someday in some fashion, when this thing ends, there will be a temptation to go back to the old way that we did things. Where we try to prove that we are better than each other. That we are more moral. That we are worth more. There's going to be a temptation to go back to that to hoarding toilet paper and hand sanitizer, to isolate without anyone on the internet telling us to. Brothers and sisters, I hope and pray all good things for you. And I hope that you stay in the resurrection that's come, the new thing that's happening in the midst of this old fear. I love you. There's nothing you can do about it.